the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, folks, good afternoon. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Right now, it is 106 on this Thursday in this portion of the John DePietro Show is watched by the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Folks, pop in and see them. 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. What are you doing for lunch? What are you doing for dinner later? The Lodge Pub and Eatery. And as soon as the weather breaks, they now have that nice big outside deck. They're waiting for you. A great meal, great time. They're waiting for you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Well, good afternoon. Right now, it is uh, 106. And you're listening to the John DePietro Show. You know, it is interesting, this uh, COVID outbreak that has uh, happened in D.C. And it's also, I think it's also interesting that um, that apparently in NBC News, there's, there's a lot of pushback about White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, that they may be bringing her in. There's a lot of pushback about that. But I want to bring you up to speed on um, on exactly what's happening, both uh, with the war with you know nationally obviously and then also uh what's 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 going on locally now as i said if you want to check out petro.com we do have um we do have the latest regarding i i just thought it was that bizarre press conference yesterday um i i don't know why the media did not ask about the fact that bud craddock of the dmv was there and he's He's under investigation. With him is Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee. He's the subject of an FBI probe. So the two of them are standing there. And uh, and both men are, in fact, under investigation. So now this this whole uh, COVID thing. So now you have Pelosi test positive for COVID after the White House event. As you know, or may know, Rhode Island, uh, former Rhode Island Governor, now Commerce Secretary, Gina Raimondo, she tested positive and she was at some big event. We're hearing that a lot of the staff that was at the uh, at this event, the, the staff were meaning the people. I think that it was the people that were serving everyone at this event that they were, in fact, uh, told that they had to, you know, wear the mask and so forth. But. A lot of the um, the people that were just attending, they did not have to. So let's see. Per the New York Times, since the pandemic began, Rhode Island now is the third highest per capita COVID death rate in the country, behind only New Jersey and New York. Sadly, yesterday's revised data for the second wave pushed Rhode Island ahead of Massachusetts. Wow, I'm looking at that. There was a time period, thank you, but when uh, Governor Raimondo was... Avoiding the press, that's true. January, February, and come take over. Rhode Island did have the highest COVID death rate in the country. I appreciate that um, because I don't remember her. And that does make sense where Governor Mundo pretty much went underground. Uh, be, you know, there was that long period of time that, that, she, that she was just not talking to the press because she was being considered with, you know, a, a spot into 
the Biden administration. So, folks, this other story also that needs to. Oh, so this is new. U.N. suspends Russia from the Human Rights Council. It's about time. Boy, the Biden administration, the U.N., the world, they've been very slow. Inside the $6 million mansion, Black Lives Matter reportedly bought it with donated funds. There's something very, very odd about that story. There's something very strange and odd about that story. I don't think we have the full story on it just yet. But there's definitely something odd. But I want to bring you the latest now on um, obviously on the war. And then I'll, I'm going to talk about the, the Governor McKee situation that I, I, um, I think that the television stations are waiting to try to do a debate. But the problem is, is Governor McKee is the key person there. And as you can imagine, he's in he's in no hurry to debate because the moment he starts to debate and gets on the stage uh, of a debate stage, I, I think he's just then angry that both his opponents in the Democrat primary uh, and also the fact that the, the media itself will start to. Uh, question him about this this FBI probe. So, but before I talk about that, I want to play. I think Richard Engel has been doing a very, very good job for NBC. Um, let's hear his latest report now on the Russian troops. Confidence here in Kiev after Russian forces were driven out of this entire area. There are more people out on the streets. More shops and restaurants are opening and. For the first time since this conflict began, there is a feeling that perhaps Ukraine has Russia on the run. The battered ruins of Russian military vehicles are scattered outside Kyiv this morning. But a U.S. military official tells NBC News all Russian troops have left the region. The Russians came, they killed, they retreated, withdrawing back to Belarus and Russia for repairs. The Pentagon sounding upbeat about Ukraine's chances. The proof is literally in uh, the outcomes that you're seeing every day. Absolutely, they can win. It was only two months ago when the Pentagon, the White House, NATO, and others assumed Russia's military superiority. Its military is eight times the size of Ukraine's, would overpower the country in days. Militarily, they have overwhelming superiority. But Ukrainian tenacity and inspiring President Zelensky, poor Russian logistics and tactics, and a steady supply of Western weapons have shifted the balance. The cost of holding out has been massive Ukrainian casualties, the scale of which are only coming to light now in areas around Kyiv. In Borodyanka, rescue crews are trying to unearth the remains of what they fear to be hundreds of victims, many women and children, hiding in shelters, now buried under debris. Ukraine is collecting evidence of war crimes. The prosecutor's office says more than 400 bodies have been removed from towns and villages around the Ukrainian capital already. President Biden imposing more sanctions on Russia on Tuesday, banning new American investments in Russia and sanctioning Putin's two daughters and other elites. Civilians executed, a cold blood, bodies dumped into mass graves, a sense of brutality and inhumanity left for all the world to see unapologetically. 
Despite huge Russian losses, NATO says up to 15,000 Russian troops have been killed. Vladimir Putin seems prepared to throw even more soldiers into the fight. Focusing now on eastern Ukraine, intensifying attacks on Kharkiv and besieging and attacking the city of Mariupol, which is still holding out. The mayor there says at least 5,000 people have been killed already, including more than 200 children. Ukraine's foreign minister today, meeting with NATO officials in Brussels, said he only has one agenda with three items on it. Weapons, weapons, weapons. And Pentagon officials say more weapons are on their way. Not soon enough. You know, I want to uh, give a special hello, folks. Again, I, I think he does a really, really strong job. Uh, that's Richard Engel. He's been a, a long time. Um, the guy is, is a phenomenal he is phenomenal reporter. Folks, good afternoon at 1.14. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Now, the other person who I don't know as well, but he's, um, I, I think he's also very, very strong. And that is James Longman, who is, uh, he's over there. I, and I think he speaks Russian. UN General Assembly suspends Russia from the Human Rights Council. Listen, Putin has got to go. There's not going to be any type of peace until until he goes. I've been saying that since before the war. This is disgraceful what is playing out over there. All right, let me play. Um, it's also interesting that they're going after Putin's daughters. I, again, I have no sympathy for these people. None. Um, with what they have, what, with what he has done. Where's, um, okay, oh, good. Here's James Longman, folks. This is worth it. Listen to this. James Longman, uh, his report, again, he was right there in Buka as they were discovering some of the atrocities that, that took place. So in the U.S., they're pushing new sanctions. You know, it's always with the Biden administration, like more sanctions. I, I just don't think that they're, they're doing enough. But let's hear. This is the um, report from ABC News. Blinken is meeting with NATO allies. James Longman is there on the front lines for us. Good morning, James. Yeah, good morning, Robin. This is Butcher, and this just gives you an idea of the ferocity of the battle here. This is a Russian armored personnel carrier just completely burnt out all down this main street. You can see a burnt out tank all the way down the end there. And look how close we are to people's homes. This war is being fought on their doorstep in the places that people live. Aid is starting to get in here. Services are being restored, but it's going to take a long time for the people of this town to come to terms with what they've experienced and a warning to people watching. The images you're about to see are very disturbing. This morning, with the utter devastation in Ukraine getting clearer by the day, an urgent new plea for more help from the West. My agenda is very simple. It has only three items on it. It's weapons, weapons, and weapons. It comes as Russians retreat from areas around Kyiv and new disturbing images emerge from the destruction left behind. This week we met Mikola who told us about the three friends he watched die and had to bury in his own backyard. At least one of them was shot in front of him. Today we took a human rights watch researcher to the crime scene. It's almost impossible to walk around the streets of Bucha and not see evidence 
of violence, and in some cases, what appear to be war crimes. As evidence mounts of possible Russian war crimes in Ukraine, the U.S. is now imposing new sanctions on those closest to Vladimir Putin. Civilians executed in cold blood, bodies dumped into mass graves, a sense of brutality and inhumanity left for all the world to see unapologetically. There's nothing less happening than major war crimes. The targets include Putin's two adult daughters, because U.S. officials suspect many of his assets are hidden with his family members, Putin's family in U.S. sites, and new U.S. investment in Russia. New sanctions also penalize Russia's largest banks. Overnight, Ukrainian President Zelensky thanked the West, but he still called for more action to be taken. Saying of sanctions is tangible, and I'm grateful for that, but much more needs to be done to stop the war. We traveled to Borodyanka, which was under Russian occupation for weeks. 13,000 people once lived here, now reduced to rubble. The other thing about this town is that all you really hear is the sound of crows. There are very few people. There's nothing for them to come back to. This man's home, one of the many destroyed in the attacks. He tells us when the Russians invaded, he could hear the planes overhead dropping bombs and helicopters flying just above the houses. Meanwhile, the war raging in the south and east of the country. According to Lahansk police, this shows a Russian strike in the city of Severodonetsk, which left five people injured. In the southern city of Mariupol, the mayor has said that 5,000 people have been killed since the invasion began. And now new allegations from city officials that the Russians have been operating mobile incineration units to burn the bodies of dead civilians, potentially covering up war crimes. ABC News hasn't been able to verify the claims. The city has been under siege by Russian forces for weeks, with tens of thousands still trapped inside. Now, the UN General Assembly is going to vote today on removing Russia from the UN Human Rights Council. Uh, they need a two-thirds majority for that. The U.S. ambassador thinks that will be achieved, but I think it's fair to say no one here in Ukraine believes Russia has any place on that council. They absolutely do not. Folks, what I want to say was, I want to give a, a special hello and thank you. John Francis of Competition Shooting Supplies. We'll talk to him tomorrow, but he's very, very knowledgeable. He's a student of history. He also knows, has a lot of um, contacts and was saying that a, a friend of his, somebody he spoke to, who's very familiar with the Ukrainian military, said they are absolutely top-notch, up to speed, and a very, very capable, incompetent military force who has been, uh, you know, obviously bravely fighting. Um, I just want to read this. Um, I'll read it in just a moment. All right, I want to go to... um, I played some of this yesterday, but it's worth it. And that is, and it's not the thing of Governor McKee. That that's talk about embarrassing. You know what? Actually, I want to play. I want to play for you. This song is so popular over there. Um, and since it's my show, <laughs> I'm going to play a little bit of it. It's very spiritual, but it has to do with. When Jesus walked on the water, but I'm telling you, I heard it everywhere when I was uh, over in Ukraine and right along the border in Poland. So I want to play this a little bit. It's called Where Feet May Fail, Oceans. And um, Hillsong United did it. And I just would hear it everywhere in Ukraine and also in Poland. And you know what? Why not? I normally don't play music, but 
It's very motivating. It's very spiritual. And I'm going to play it right now on the John DePietro Show.
once again, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. No, I fully recognize I normally do not play music on the program, but I can't that the power that that song has had, and it is just everywhere over there uh, that I just kept hearing it. Um, but I do want to play, and I, I played some of this the other day, and I want to play a little more of it. And folks, this portion of the John DePietro show, again, there's so many people I want to thank that was supportive of our efforts and coverage over in the war zone in uh, Ukraine and also the border of Poland. And this portion of the program, I want to give a special shout out to our friend John, the roofer, Paul Manville. Uh, call today. Now, again, if your roof is leaking, residential commercial roofing, call John, the roofer today, 1-866-906-ROOF. 1-866-906-ROOF, residential and commercial. Get a free quote. I uh, played some of this yesterday, but Sean Hannity had on Sean Penn. And it was a very interesting conversation. And I want to replay some of this just because it's very, very insightful. And and it doesn't have to be rushed on this Thursday. Uh, If you were on this set 99 out of 100 times, we probably would be... In full disagreement. Right? Question about that. Made it right, so I make the first a little bit too much about you. I don't know if you remember. And I said, I'm interested in the work that you're doing and why you were there even before the war started and this documentary you're doing. Do you remember what you first said to me? I do. What did you say? I said that I don't trust you. <laughs> Is there a reason you didn't trust me? Yeah, there's a lot of reasons I don't trust you. But my trust or your trust, you know, there's so many uh, people that don't trust their spouse. And yet we've got to get on with life. And we've got a situation. I've never felt this way about where our country is and what I experienced emotionally in Ukraine, where it had not. We all talk about how divisive things are, how divided things are here. But when you step into a country of such incredible unity, you realize what we've all been missing. And I don't think that we I've got time to indulge my lack of trust, which it becomes a petty thing as people and babies are being vaporized. And if these people are fighting for the very dreams that are the aspiration of all of us Americans, and we talked about that too. We did we agreed on that. That there's that we've got to take their example we'll worry in solidarity. About, we'll worry about political disagreements. If you ever want to come back another day, you're always invited. Fair enough. Here's what I want to know. You were there in November of twenty twenty one. Yep. Okay. We really we're not even talking about the real lead up to this conflict at by that point. Right. Why were you there originally to do a documentary? What was it about Ukraine or maybe it was about Zelensky that interested you? Well, I think I was uh, on a, in a better part of the population, most Americans, in any, in any understanding of, of Ukraine. What was Ukraine? Who was Ukraine? Where was Ukraine? With the exception of a phone call between President Zelensky and President Trump that was made a lot of, and, and, uh, and the fact that President Zelensky had been a comedic actor who had played a character that then became the president and then became the president. We went initially to make a documentary that had a, brought, would bring home a sense of Ukraine and of the, a profile of this president. But it wouldn't have been as interesting. And then you, the next thing you do is you see this buildup of Vladimir Putin on the eastern side of Ukraine. Right. You got, first we have 50,000 troops, then it's 100,000 troops and all the military equipment. And you're, you're chronicling all of this. Mm-hmm. 
and you develop a relationship with Zelensky. Yeah. Tell us, as as this was unfolding, a lot of the world didn't think that Putin would do it. I did think he would. You know, all the experts I talked to thought that he would. Most of the experts that, that were speaking out in the United States Intelligence Agency and, and others felt that he would. I'll tell you that to the last minute, I think the part of me, the part of me that would want to deny, be in denial of what that would mean uh, to Ukraine and ultimately to the world, uh, I, I thought, really? Is, is there an upside to this for him? But what I wasn't, you know, really savvy to was that I gather you, and uh, but but in particular, you know, well, so universally, the, the experts on the on Putin felt this was going to happen, and what didn't happen, therefore, were the preemptive sanctions on enough of a dramatic level before he was so deep in that the humiliation wasn't going to let it stop and that you weren't going to have the simplicity of negotiations for, for regions of the east or Mariupol to be able to make the bridge from Crimea. And now it was going to be this full-on assault, and here we are. Okay. Prior to Zelensky, I didn't know a whole lot about Zelensky like a lot of people until the infamous phone call. I still, to this day, think there was nothing to that phone call. Separate issue. But he had taken Georgia. Putin had taken Georgia in 08. He annexed Crimea in 2014. He has shown a willingness to annex, take over land, showing his territorial ambitions. Mm. So you get there. You're interviewing Zelensky at this time. Did he see this coming? Did he believe that this was real? Well, it's interesting because we had we had met initially on a Zoom call. Uh, the back. Uh, oh, did, God, did you trust him? I was really interested to see who he was. It's easy. Yeah. And, 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 he, and I didn't have the baggage with him I have with you. Um, but <laughs> what is the baggage? We never met before. Oh, well, actually, I have a, I have as a, a badge. television set? No, as a badge of honor in my house. I've got the full screen that I dominate as an em enemy of the state with you. <laughs> I don't remember. It's a true thing. So, but, but, but here's what happened. Is that then, because of COVID, once we had gotten you know a sense that he was very much considering giving us some kind of access and and, and spending some time with us uh we were delayed and we were delayed and so then we went uh back we started in a shooting in november we went to mariupol to on the front lines and then we also were in kiev and talking to um you know musicians and, and you get a sense of the culture but there was the um you know the wagner problem that was going on at the time and so the administration was very so we couldn't see him we came back and then this thing really escalated so then we went i think we got there i don't know roughly a week before the invasion and we met him i met him face to face for the first time the day before the invasion and then spent time with him, in which we documented in the film, on, during the invasion, on the day of the invasion. And I don't know that there's a person on earth who, who could know that they were born for such a day, that they could rise to it. I want to make sure we're so on the I same page. When yeah. you say invasion, was this him taking the two region, Donbass, Donbass et cetera, or? Oh, there were also rockets coming in. This is also when they, this is when they took the airport 15 right. clicks out of right. uh, Kiev. So th it, it, it was... It was game on. And so to, in him, I saw something that I've never seen before uh, in my lifetime um, that, like I said, having seen him, yes, prepared for it. Yes, 
hoping against hope it would not happen. But a man who'd not yet been challenged with it's happening. And the next day, I saw something that is a man, but it's a man with the adrenalized, he's the face of something that you see in all the Ukrainians we saw and talked to, whether they were in uniform, out of uniform, school teachers, even children. This extraordinary courage that's come up, and he, he, it was in his eyes, and it is clear to me that the Ukrainians will win this. The question is, at what cost? Did they have, in those early hours, I know that Trump gave them javelins, I know that they had some defenses, but if you go back to the Budapest Agreement, they were at the time the third largest nuclear power in the world. And they, they made an agreement that they'd give those weapons to, the, to Russia to be destroyed in exchange for protection from Russia, Great Britain, and the U.S. Uh, lesson to be learned here, don't give up your nuclear weapons if you have them, because you can't believe people like Vladimir Putin, but even countries that have nuclear weapons can remain intimidated to use them. And we're seeing that now with our own country. And I fear what that legacy is going to be. We don't, well, no one wants to see a nuclear conflict. I don't want to see one. Nobody At the does. same time, if only one bully is going to be able to use those weapons as a threat, we got to rethink what we're doing. See, I think the West made a mistake in, in this buildup that Putin, as he brought in 10,000 troops and, and 20,000, and we get up to 100,000 and it became very clear, transparent and obvious that he was going to go in and all the military equipment with it. At that point, I thought NATO countries and Western European countries and the U.S. should have anticipated what was pretty obvious and been arming the Ukrainians for that moment. And I don't think they were prepared either. Am I wrong? Well, they, they, look, this could happen tomorrow also. We could get F-15s, F-16s, and then they can fly those with three weeks of training. They can fly the MiGs and the ASUs now. We know that not from Sean Penn. We know that from the California National Guard, who has had a 30-year exercise training with, mutual with, with Ukraine. And we're there with the Ukrainian av aviators just shortly before they were pulled out because this, of the, the politics and the policies are related to this, you know, impending invasion, now invasion. So I, I think we, re, we really have to rethink this because these, this is, these are at this point truly humanitarian mechanisms. I want to get to what you see, but I want to go back to this question. Poland offered what was 28 or 29 megs. Yeah. Every report says Joe Biden vetoed that. Forget politics. I think he made the wrong call. I think he should have green well, not everybody says not everybody it. says he vetoed it. And I'm not and I'm not gonna All right, whoever vetoed it, it. A lot of reports some people that say Biden. some people say that something that was meant to be covert got leaked and became overt and that that compromised these NATO partners. I that it, what matters to me is and what's true is is for a squadron, which is you know, two squadrons is probably what it would take from everyone that's an expert I talk to to end this thing. And, and that's, that's, that's about $300 million. One billionaire could pay for those planes if the NATO countries would let them overfly and, 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 and deliver them. All right. I, I look at, and I've had arguments with a lot of my friends here. I, I, I do not believe, I think if we learn from recent history, that politicians, Republicans and Democrats, they're all gung-ho. They start these wars. They don't fight them to win them. 
they, they start the war, gung-ho, then they politicize the war, then we lose our national treasure, our sons and daughters, then others come home with debilitating injuries, lost limbs, legs, arms, you know, deformities that you can't even imagine. I've met many of them in the course of my life. And then they say, never mind, and like the disaster in Afghanistan, they pull out. So I'm not for one boot on the ground. Ronald Reagan had a doctrine. And the doctrine was, in the case of the former Soviet Union invading Afghanistan in the 80s, he supplied Stinger missiles to the Mujahideen, by the way, not perfect partners by any means, and they were able to defeat the former Soviet Union. He helped the Nicaraguan freedom fighters, the Contra rebels against the Sandinistas, and Daniel Ortega. Okay, I support that doctrine. I support the Trump doctrine that if you're going to fight a war, you push buttons using new military weaponry and technology, and you bomb the living, I call it Adam Schiff. You bomb the ship out of... But I would you argue you bomb you've the ship out of the caliphate, and they'll give me a chance to respond Hang on a little Baghdadi and Soleimani and the al-Qaeda leader in Yemen. Those are two doctrines I believe in. If we were to apply those doctrines here, I believe Ukraine would win. What's your doctrine? Here's what we have to know is that the Ukrainians are fighting to win. And they're fighting to that. win for the very thing that we're able to do right now, to be free, to dream. And that is what we say we represent as Americans. So we have a great example of fighting to win. There's another part of it, because we've talked about the military part of it, the civilian part of it also, is that we know, you see conflict zone journalists, yes, tragically some die. But you know, I have some of my colleagues. I'm going to finish my point. Most of them, you know, over and over, we can watch it on TV. Why? Because you can be smart and you can know where the strategic zones are, when it, whether, whether it's, a, a, you know, a traditional war or, or not. And, and people can move. So can aid. And so one of the things we're not seeing, we're not seeing by any scale, UN organizations, Operating, they can. We also talk a lot of. They talk about security for aid and supplies being resourced to civilians and to military. And for civilians, in many cases, up armored, you know, armored vests are important. So, one of the things I want to say just about what it is being there is that, of course, there are risks in a conflict zone. But it is not what we picture so often about a bunch of here we come to save the day foreigners. You take one car and one truck of supplies to that border, give that truck and those supplies to Ukrainians who aren't going to leave if you ask them to and are going to be at risk with or without our help. So we might as well give them the help. They'll bring the supplies to where they've got to go. What, how is that any different than I'm saying? Supply the drones? Supply the javelins, supply the stingers. Because I'm not talking about anybody's doctrine the that anti- got us into a okay, lot of no, other no. crap. The, the anti-missile systems they need, the yeah. defense systems, the, the anti-aircraft systems. Oh, yeah, I agree. And I would give them the mix. Yeah. So we're in agreement. And we, and we absolutely agree. And fight the war to win it. And that right. means to beat, defeat Russia. Or and let them fight it to win it because they will. Well, that's what I'm saying. Let the Ukrainians yeah. fight themselves. We agree. All right, now I want to talk about, because you've been there a lot, and then you also went to Poland for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think most of my audience agrees, if, if the Ukrainian people keep showing the valor, the courage, and the willingness to fight, give them the weapons and let them win. Yeah. Um, let's talk about what you've seen with your own eyes. 
we, we've been showing pictures almost every night. I have to give a viewer alert. What we're about to show you is horrific and evil and on a mass scale. You've seen the mass graves. We've seen what happened to Mariupol. Uh, we see what happened just outside of Kiev just in the last two days. You've seen, you know, hospitals targeted, neighborhoods wiped out, apartment buildings wiped out. And I want to know what you've seen. You tell us how bad it is with your eyes, what you've seen. Well, I, so as we talked about, I was there originally in November. Um, I went back and was there, whatever it is, the 37, whatever it is, days ago when this invasion started uh, for a couple of days. Uh, then I uh, went back last week. It was last week, two weeks ago. My time gets screwed up with this kind of travel, but uh, to, uh, to the vid. Um, you know, I'm... I. When, when I met with President Zelensky, my colleagues and I making the documentary, when we went to meet with him, it was uh, midday. And, you know, we knew that there were rockets that were targeting areas just outside of Kiev, that there were air raids, sirens, a lot, of, and that ultimately, when we, when we came out of where we met with him, uh, it, there was a a blackout in the city uh, because of concerns about rockets. We were encouraged not to use our automobile to drive back because the lights would, could draw rocket fire. We walked. And because of the experience of what, of, of what this fight was about and seeing it in the faces of leadership and, 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 and not, the only thing we talked about, the only thing we felt was the deepest sense of heartbreak, first for the Ukrainians who were going to fight, be maimed, be injured, be in a, a war of attrition. But very quickly, I thought, this one, this one, my children are going to feel if this thing is not one. They're going to feel it in tangible ways in their life. That's right. Our, our children in America. This is... You and I can argue all day, but I look at you and I think you believe in this country in your way. I believe it in, in mine. And I think it's at risk because the great dream of it, the aspiration of it, with all its diversity, because Ukrainians, with all their unity, they got a lot of diverse thought over there, too. Mm -hmm. I think we're really at risk if we let the greatest, most historic in our lifetime fight for democracy against a gigantic superpower of a military intimidation. They, they've done and amazingly well. And what they've had, outmanned, outgunned. Yeah, so that's what I felt from my time there. Uh, going back, uh, the trip in Lviv, which I was, I was going principally with the documentary team, but principally driven by the work with CORE uh, because we have 200 staff in and out of Ukraine, Poland, Romania, and which I will make a, a call for help. We need it. We've got uh, incredible both, both uh, refugee uh, Ukrainians working with us in that 200. We've got Ukrainian citizens of Poland and Romania uh, and, then, and, and, and others. But half of them, half, half of our staff there are now hired up just since this time, um, Ukrainians. Uh, so that, that trip was targeted on how to get supplies into, and, and by the way, just for your audience, 
there's been a there's been a little shift here in the humanitarian world, which is that uh, up to uh, level four uh, um, vests, uh, 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 body armor. Uh, that is uh, approved uh, for humanitarian organizations to bring and, and I will say Ukrainians. countries like uh, Poland has been the most impressive country of all to me in this they've been the bravest and they've also absorbed the most population yeah. here's what I want to say about Zelensky I've been very critical over the years of Ukrainian government corruption because it stinks to high heaven to me separate issue for a separate day and I watched this comedian get elected on a on a ending corruption platform. This all starts unfolding. And what I'll tell you what impressed me about him. You've met him, I have it. Is that there have been many leaders in the world in similar situations as he's been in, offered asylum. I believe he was even offered asylum here, I've been told by my sources. And they get in a private jet, they pack it full of cash. Uh, other currencies, gold and silver. Yeah, high heel shoes. High heel shoes. They get their ass out, right? And he didn't do that. He put on his body armor and he went around the world. He's begging for help from the world, not boots on the ground. He's, he's asking for munitions and humanitarian assistance. Yeah. Now, that to me, that impresses me because most other, many other leaders would not have done that. I'll give you the last thought on him and how what you think they need the most. I'll let you sum it up. I talked to the mayor of Kiev, who's Mayor Klitschko. Listen to this, folks. Again, uh, World Heavy with this is Hand. Sean Penn. Yeah. Uh, with Brother, Sean Hannity. This, this was in November. And I wanted this to get a hear it on the John DePietro well show. Listen to this. Zelensky in the next election then we'll wrap it up. And, and perhaps beaten him. Uh, we talked to a lot of people, and that seemed to be the consensus that this would be competitive. Uh, he didn't have a lot of um, uh, uh, praise for the president. T tonight, as we're sitting here, that same very powerful figure, uh, Klitschko, has enlisted in President Zelensky, that commander-in-chief's military. He's in, he's in the fight. So that tells you everything. I mean, this is leadership. We talk about leadership. We talk to leaders. Uh, no one on the, on the planet's been tested in leadership like this you're, human being. You're really emotional about this. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you something. As a conservative, forget our political differences. I don't want to see one more dead kid in the street, one more innocent woman or, or man dead. I don't want to see any more images in my lifetime of mass graves like we're seeing. Yeah, there or in Chicago, for that matter. Anywhere. I don't want to see it. And we can fix all these problems if we have the will and desire to, I believe. We're the greatest country on earth. And I think the Ukrainians will win. Western Europe and America needs to supply them with the weaponry to win. That's and right. if they do, they'll be defeating, in my view, evil in our time. And that's following the Reagan doctrine and, frankly, the Trump doctrine, even though you don't care about doctrines. You know what the Hannity doctrine is? I'll give it to you quick. If you invade a sovereign country, All right. I, you I, forfeit your right to fine. lead it. That, and I appreciate that. Uh, folks, Adele, that, again, uh, good afternoon. I know that was long. That was, in fact, Sean Penn on with Sean Hannity. And I understand that it, it was long, but I, I just find the conversation, mostly the things said by Sean Penn, very, very intriguing and interesting. Excuse me. It's one you You're um, listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380.
and 99.9 FM. This portion of the program on this Thursday, folks, it's brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Stop it and see them. They're waiting for you, for crying out loud, at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. So I also want to remind you, uh, now is the time. Especially with the weather the way it is right now, call Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island, your best lawn ever guaranteed. Early spring, spring line, late spring. Don't forget about ticks and mosquitoes. Your best lawn ever. Now's the time to get it treated. They'll call you the day before. They're very conscientious and very, very effective online at lawndoctor.com. And then you just put in your zip code. And then they will find you. Let me just check the um, the weather forecast at 151. So cloudy the rest of the day. More rain tonight. And then tomorrow. Wow, tomorrow could be 65. Rain on Saturday. And then next week. Oh, too bad. Last Next week they revised the forecast a little bit. They initially were saying that um, there was a chance it was going to hit 70. But now, not so much, but still decent weather. So, but folks, I, um, I, I just think that that Sean Penn, and I really look forward, love to see the documentary he did on President Zelensky. I, um, what has been going on, I, I think the world has shifted now that we've heard about the atrocities that were committed. A lot of the Putin apologists have gone quiet. You know, they were they were pretty loud at one point, but they have definitely uh, gone a little quiet right now. So I want to just also just check. Um, let's see. The um, Michael McFall, who I, I, I think he's very, very knowledgeable. The best way to avoid a conflict between NATO and Russia is to help Ukraine stop Putin's killing machine in Ukraine now. It's that simple. A Putin loss in Ukraine makes conflict with NATO less likely. A Putin win makes conflict with NATO more likely. That's very encouraging news. Um, Let's see. British Harpoon anti-ship missiles have been delivered to Odessa. That is very, very positive. They need to bring him down. Um, let's see. Secretary Gina Raimondo. Great news from Secretary Raimondo. Declarations of American demise at the expense of China are exaggerated, premature, and hopefully wrong. U.S. remains the number one destination for foreign direct investment for the 10th year in a row. It is interesting that, uh, that she is, um, well, and she actually is putting that out even though she has COVID, for crying out loud. Now, as far as the race for the second conditional district, and um, as far as the race for CD2, the pressure, I believe, will be on Senator Jessica De La Cruz to, she has got to start to shape the race. Um, because if, if the race continues the way it is, Cranston Mayor Alan Fung walks into that. 
So we're going to see if she's going to do anything. I know that former Representative Bob Lancia, I'm going to play the Governor McKee meltdown in just a moment. But uh, I, I know that Fung hasn't even kicked off his campaign yet. He's doing that later this month. He raised a lot of money. I think when he really gets in gear over the next couple of weeks, she's going to have to do something to distinguish herself. And she did release, I received an email from them that she released an email uh, of fundraising that she was able to raise some money. But I just, uh, you know, she is an unknown she is an unknown in the second district, which means she doesn't, she can't just match him. She has to exceed where he is. I think that's the only way that, that, that she's, that she, you know, she starts, she's the one I believe that has to like make a move. If she continues to just let him dictate then, then, then he wins because he's that much more well known. All right, I want to play. You know, I really like. Let me just play this. Ricky Gervais. I don't even know when this was. He was on the View. He is hilarious. If you don't know who he is, he was the original Office, which is a great show. He did that over at Britain. He is hilarious. But listen to Ricky Gervais on the View. Say so they're offended. It's not just because you're offended it doesn't mean you're right. No, offense is about feelings, and feelings are personal. Some people are offended by equality. So what? You know, so you can't second-guess people. If you try and please everyone, you'll please no one. Mm. With comedy as well, you've got to, I think you've got to deal with taboos and contentious issues, and sometimes you deal in irony. Some people don't get that, but, you know, you can't legislate against stupidity, otherwise you'll be doing nothing. So if you're saying anything... You, you should polarize. You should polarize because everyone's different. So the thing about offense, isn't it? When people yeah. say they're offended, it's that, just because you're offended, it doesn't mean you're right. That's right. You know, I love that. Just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. Feelings are personal. Some people are offended by equality. So what? You know, so you can't second guess people. If you try and please everyone, you'll please no one. Mm. With comedy as well, you've got to, I think you've got to deal with taboos and contentious issues. And sometimes you deal in irony and some people don't get that. But, you know, you can't legislate against stupidity. Otherwise, you'll be doing nothing. So if you're saying anything... You, you should polarize. You should polarize because everyone's different. So... He is just, I'm telling you, the guy is just hilarious. If you don't know who he is, I know anytime I come across Ricky Gervais, I, I, I stop and I'll watch it. He is just now, he's, let me just see. He, um, let's see. He claims alopecia is mocks. He mocks the claim. Alopecia is a disability. Slams people for calling Jada Pickett-Smith a disability. Um, oh, I guess maybe he was just on The View. Because now I'm seeing the, the, the quote I just played. I'm seeing that now. Ricky Gervais says, I would not have made a joke about his wife's hair. I would have made a joke. Oh, he had said that a while ago about her boyfriend. Um, he's right, though. It's not a disability. 
I mean, it's a skin condition or a scalp condition, but it's not a a disability. I think, was he, I'm not sure when he was on The View, actually. Folks, I apologize. Um, But I like that. Just because you're offended doesn't mean that you're right. I'm not sure when that was that he appeared there. I'll have to find out after the program, actually. But, you know, how many people, they feel their moral high ground is the ability to say that they're offended. To them, that, that should silence everything. If you, and there, with some people, some people, they feel that if they can say, I am offended, that that somehow means they're right or it's moral high ground. All right, it's 159. This is John DePietro on this Thursday. I want to thank you for listening. Again, it's uh, please visit the website, dpetro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. I will be doing Facebook Live later on. I want you to stay tuned, though, for you're going to hear the 2 o'clock news and the John Dion program. I want to thank JR. I hope the great Jeff Gamach feels better. But uh, enjoy this Thursday. We're back on the radio tomorrow at 11. Stay tuned for... The two o'clock news. WNRI Winsocket. W260DC. W-N-R-I.